this service tonight, and it is important to me. It's always important to me when I stand behind this sacred desk. I prayed again today, God, I don't want to just preach any message. There are a lot of things, you know, that uh, as a pastor with the many years of experience that I have, there's a lot of things that I could get up here and teach and preach just out of experience and, and um, personal study. And it would fit somebody and help somebody. But I don't like doing it that way. I really want to know that it's what God wants. And uh, it's important to me that, that I speak the mind of God to his people. Amen. You are his sheep, not mine. And uh, God's going to hold me accountable for how I feed his flock. Praise God. And I want to make sure that I give you the food God is wanting to serve you. Amen. Praise God. So I don't know if this will be preaching or teaching. Don't even know fully how I'm going to feel and how much energy I'm going to have. But I'm going to do my best tonight. And uh, turn with me, if you would, to the book of Matthew chapter 12. And we will begin with verse number 25. Matthew 12. And uh, we will start with verse 25 and then go down through verse 29. Amen. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 25. And Jesus knew their thoughts and said unto them, Every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation. And every city or house divided against itself shall not stand. And if Satan cast out Satan, he is divided against himself. How shall then his kingdom stand? And if I, by Beelzebub, cast out devils, by whom do your children cast them out? Therefore they shall be your judges. But if I cast out devils by the Spirit of God, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. Now pay attention to verse 29. Or else... How can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man and then will he spoil his house? Amen. How can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he first bind the strong man? And then he will spoil his house. Praise God. Amen. I will give you a title perhaps in a few moments. But I feel this on my heart tonight. And feel like the Lord wants to talk to us for a little while. Could we just lift our voices to the Lord right now and ask him to open our hearts and open our minds, open our spirits and speak to us tonight. Let's everybody talk to the Lord together. Speak to this power of God. Walk 
Lord, in our midst tonight, help us, let us leave this place. Oh, God, with clarity of vision and purpose, God, help us, God, have our minds made up to do that. Thank you for it, Lord. We praise you for it right now. Let's worship the Lord together, everybody. Hallelujah. Praise God. I love you, Jesus. Praise God. God bless you. You may be seated. I don't plan to spend a lot of time um, expounding on the context of these verses that I have read in your hearing tonight. I'm going somewhere in particular in um, one of these verses, but I do think that we need to at least know uh, what is going on here and what has just happened in Matthew chapter 12 is that the Lord uh, has encountered a man who the Bible says uh, had an unclean spirit in him. He had a demonic spirit residing in him. And as a result of that demonic spirit, the Bible says that the man was both blind and mute. He was blind and mute. And Jesus cast the devil out of this man who was blind and mute. And immediately the scripture says the man could both see and speak. Now you would think that the people would be happy over what has just taken place. I mean, this was somebody's brother. This was somebody's son. This may have been somebody's dad. Amen. It was, he was a relative to somebody, but, but, but I'm telling you, there's a group of men standing around that are not excited about the miracle because they don't really like the miracle worker. They're more focused on their hatred of the miracle worker than they are about the miracle he has just performed. And so rather than rejoice over what has happened, they begin their verbal attack of him. And their claim is, yes, he cast the devil out, but he cast the devil out by the power of the devil. That's kind of a um, ludicrous statement if you ask me. I don't know how anybody could think you could cast out devils by the power of the devil. And Jesus began to point out to them uh, how ridiculous their statement was. And he said, any house that is divided against itself is going to collapse. And if Satan is going around fighting Satan, then his kingdom will never go forward. And, and, and he said, I, I, I'm, I'm telling you that you've got to make a decision about this. Because if I'm doing this by the power of Satan, then, then Satan's kingdom is divided against itself and it'll never stand. But if on the other hand, I'm doing this by the power of God, then the kingdom of God is coming to you. They didn't like that. They weren't interested in that. But then Jesus almost as an aside. He, he's been addressing their statement. And then it's amazing that right in the middle of this, it's almost as if to me, Jesus realized that these words would be written down and they would be handed down through the generations and that Jesus realized that while we're talking about getting rid of devils, 
Maybe I ought to just lay out the plan as to how you can get rid of the devil. Maybe I ought to just throw it in here. And I'm telling you, really, you, I mean, you can look at this, you can study it, but the fact of the matter is what Jesus said in verse 29 really had no bearing on his accusers. There was really no benefit to them for him to say what he was saying. But it is a benefit to us because I don't know about you, but I'm gonna tell you, I'm ready to get rid of some devils. Is there anybody in the house tonight, amen, that's ready to put the devil to flight, that's ready to tear down some strongholds, that's ready to do some work against the power of the enemy? <laughs> Hallelujah. And so Jesus just throws this in as if for good measure, he's telling somebody else, this is the way this process works. This is the way that we go about it. And then he outlines for us these steps. Here's how you're going to overcome the devil, the strong man. This is how you do it. And so he tells us, Matthew 12 and 29, read it again. Or else, how can one enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods, except he first bind the strong man, and then he will spoil his house? And so Jesus mentions three specific things that are a part of the process of, of getting the victory over the enemy. He says that you have to be able to enter into his house. He says that you must be able to spoil his goods. And he says you must be able to bind him. Well, praise God. Now, Jesus tells us these three elements, though he does not give them to us in sequential order. And, and we're gonna talk about that in just a few moments. But, but I, I wanna tell you, I got to thinking tonight, and it, it just began to roll over in my spirit. Something's gotta happen in the ranks of the apostolic movement. Amen, something's got to rise up within our spirits and our hearts Amen. That we uh, decide we are tired of living on the defense. It is my concern and it is my contention that far too many apostolics are themselves bound and cannot therefore bind the devil. Well, hallelujah. Are you going to help me tonight? Amen, I need your help. I desperately need your help, amen. I'm running out of steam already. I need somebody to help me here tonight, amen. I am concerned that too many of us are coming into the service looking for somebody to help us get free of all the things that hold us back. We're hoping we can get free from all the things that bind us. Our mind is on getting ourselves free instead of getting the devil bound. Now, I submit to you that Paul was very clear that it's certainly possible for even the people of God to be bound. 
Let me show you some scriptures. Galatians chapter 4, verse number 3. Even so we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. When we were children, we were in uh, bondage under the elements of the world. It is possible even for the children to find themselves in bondage. Listen to what he says in Galatians 5 verse 1. Stand fast therefore in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free and be not, and entangled, be not again entangled again with, the yoke, with the yoke of bondage. So Paul tells us it is possible though you have been made free in Jesus Christ it is possible for you to find yourself once again entangled in bondage. And I don't believe he's just talking about backsliders. I think he's talking about the people of God. I'm telling you, there are too many apostolics that are bound. And it's not the will of God. Now, Peter tells us how this happens. Second Peter chapter 2, verses 18 and 19. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they alert, uh, allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those, those that were clean escaped from them who live in error. While they promised them liberty, liberty, they themselves are the servants of corruption. For, For of, whom of whom a man, man is overcome, is overcome of the same is, he, of brought the same is he brought in bondage. I'm going to tell you, saints of God, whatever it is that we cannot get victory of, that thing has us bound. Whatever it is that's your weakness that you keep falling back into and you got to keep on praying about and you got to keep on asking God to forgive you for the same thing over and over, I'm here to preach there's some bondage in your life. Now, there are weaknesses in our lives. Amen. There are going to be problems in our lives. But I'm here to tell you, we should not be living our entire spiritual existence always needing somebody to encourage us, always needing somebody to help us, always needing somebody to pray for us. Somehow we got to grow up and we've got to become the encourager and we've got to become the prayer warrior and we've got to become the one that helps somebody else. Amen. Amen. Too much of the time we spend our spiritual lives on the defensive. We're constantly trying to overcome temptations. We're coming to church discouraged. We're feeling defeated. We're hoping someone will say or do something that'll get us back up on our feet. Let me tell you, saints of God, while all of us will at times feel this way, none of us should feel this way all the time. Did you hear what I said? We're all gonna have some down times, but you shouldn't be having down time all the time. We spend so much of our life 
on the defense, trying to break free from the latest trap, the latest snare, the latest thing that the devil throws at us. And, and it seems like that's all our spiritual existence amounts to. But I'm going to tell you, we're never going to get anywhere as a church if we are always living on the defensive. I'm here to tell you, it's time to turn the tables. It is time for New Life Pentecostal Church to make up in their minds, I'm going on the offense. I'm tired of always having to fight what the devil throws at me and I'm going to start doing something. I'm tired of being bound and I'm going to start binding. Come on, child of God. We know, we know. I'm not telling you anything you don't know. God has promised to protect us. Psalm 34, verse 7. The angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord encamps round about them that fear him. You've got a promise God's going to deliver you. Why are you in the mullet grubs? Why are you depressed? You've got a promise from God. His angel is going to deliver you. We know Matthew 16, 18, but let me remind you of it. And I say also, I say to also thee, unto thee, that thou art Peter, thou art Peter and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not, shall not, shall not, shall not prevail against the church. God has promised us protection. God has promised us power. I want to take these next two in reverse order, Brother Wisdom and Brother Brandon. Let's go to Acts 1 and 8. But ye shall receive You shall power. receive what? Power. You shall receive what? Power. Come on, why are you feeling so weak? Why are you always feeling distressed? Why are you always feeling like the devil's got you down? Why? The Bible said you shall receive Power. After that, the Holy Ghost is coming. How many of you have got the Holy Ghost tonight? I'm here to tell you, if you've got the Holy Ghost, you've got power. And how effective is this power? Luke 10, 19. Behold, Behold I give you power to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. And nothing, nothing shall by any means hurt you. If you're being hurt by the power of the devil, it's because you're allowing yourself to be hurt by his power. God promised to protect you. He promised to empower you. So why? Why do we as children of God spend so much of our time trying to get free again? We come into service after service and the song leader's got to push and pump and prime and get us to finally break out of our shell. Why? Why? I'm going to tell you part of it is, part of it is all we're focused on is I just got to get to heaven. And we do. 
That's gotta be, that's gotta be a primary concern of ours. We gotta make it. But somehow we got to get beyond just trying to get to heaven and realize there's a work to be done down here. Realize God's got a calling for this church. Realize God's got his hand upon this assembly. But the only way this church can ever become what God wants it to be, there are people on the pews that have got to get a revelation. You got to quit spending your life in bondage. You got to quit spending your life, amen, down and out and depressed and always feeling like the devil's got the upper hand. I'm telling you, some folks that I talk to, I know if I ask them how they're doing, the answer's gonna be, well, the devil's fighting me. Why don't you quit giving him so much credit? Why don't you start fighting him? I'm preaching it's time to turn the tables. I'm telling you, somehow, we gotta get a revelation tonight. I'm tired of coming in here and having to be picked up all the time. I'm ready to go on the offense. I'm ready to do something to make hell set up and take notice. So let's go back. And look at what Jesus said we've got to do. How many of you really want to bind the strong men? You really want to bind the strong men? You really want to bind the strong men? Jesus told us what to do. Let's go back and read again Matthew chapter 12 and verse 29. Or else, how can, you, can one enter into a strong man's house? All right, now, let's stop right there. The first thing he tells us we got to go into the strong man's house. The strong man's been visiting our house. The strong man comes to God's house. Well, I'm going to tell you what, the strong man, the devil's got a better record attendance than some saints. Amen. He's got a better attendance record than some saints. I'm telling you, amen, he never misses a service. Amen. Him or one of his minions are going to be in every service we have, I promise you. But somewhere, instead of always having him come to our house, we got to go to his house. I'm going to tell you, we're not going to reach this city by sitting in these four walls. Let me say that again. We're not going to reach this city by sitting in these four walls. Amen. What did Jesus say to his followers? Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And he saith unto them, Follow me. Follow me. And I will make, and you, I will make you what? I will make you what? Fisher. I'll make you what? Fisher. Fishers of men. I want to know how many fish you have caught by sitting in your living room. Oh, let me ask you another question. How many fish have you caught by walking by the pond and living the life in front of them? How many fish have you caught by putting a post on Facebook about uh, bless the Lord, oh my soul? Well, hallelujah. While I'm on the subject of Facebook, let me just explain something. I've gotten a lot of friend requests from some of you on Facebook and I, I said sometime back that I was getting off and I did. But in order for the church to have a page, I have to have a personal page. So I created a personal page with my middle name, not my first name. And so that page is strictly there only for the benefit 
of me being able to log in and manage the church page, all right? So I'm not liking people's posts and wishing happy birthdays and finding out the latest gossip around Pentecost or any of that other stuff. So just so you know, amen, as you start sending these friend requests, I just want you to know what's going on. That's why it's there under my middle name. I was hoping nobody would find me. It's strictly so I can keep the church page and the A to Z page open. That's the only reason I've got it. And that may end soon. I don't know. But anyhow, just so you know. But I'm just, I'm just asking you a question. How do you go about catching fish unless you get out there where they are and you put out some bait that they're hungry for? I'm going to tell you, when we go around always in the mully grubs and always frowning and always down in the mouth, Talking about how rough life is and how difficult our problems is and all this other stuff. I'm telling you, you're not going to catch any fish that way. They're not interested in a mud ball on the end of the hook. Well, hallelujah. You got to offer them something that looks appetizing. You got to have something going on in your life. Amen. That they see a difference. And you can't keep the lures in the tackle box. Well, I just live it in front of them. I just, I'm sorry. I know there are people on rare occasion that'll come and ask you, what is it that's different about you? But I'm going to tell you, if we're going to try to build a church by you living the life in front of them, we're not going to build much of a church. You're going to have to go out there and throw some hooks. Well, hallelujah. Amen, 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 amen. I'm telling you, the first thing that we see on this list is we got to go into the strong man's house. If we're gonna bind the strong man in this city, we gotta start fishing outside of this aquarium. Well, praise God. All right, what else do you say? Matthew 12, 29, read. Or else how can one man, one enter into a strong man's house? Enter to the strong man's house. And spoil his goods. And spoil his goods. Now, Jesus says that we have to be able to spoil the enemy's goods. The word spoil means to seize or to plunder, to take away. You know what we've got to learn to do? We've got to learn to take away some of the devil's tools out of his hands. Hey, let me ask you, that thing that's always dragging you down, why is it always dragging you down? Why don't you get the victory over that thing once and for all? Why don't you understand that's a weakness of mine? I'm going to do everything I can to avoid it. Well, hallelujah. Get rid of the devil's tools. You know, we all know the story of David and Goliath, but I'm not sure we really know the whole story of David and Goliath. Because if I were to just ask you, how did David kill Goliath? The response would be a sling and a stone. Do you know that's not what the Bible says? No, you didn't know that. I can tell by the look on your face. You didn't know that. So I'm going to show you what the Bible says. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 17. And, and this is after he has used the sling and the stone. Verse 51 Therefore David ran and stood upon the he Philistine. He stood upon the Philistine. And took his sword. He took his sword. Now, whose sword is this? 
It's not David's because David didn't have any armor. Remember, David refused all of Saul's armor. David has no sword of his own. He takes Goliath's sword and drew it out of the drew it out of the sheaf thereof and, and what? Slew him. What does slew mean? So how did he kill him? He didn't kill him with the rock. He knocked him down with the rock, but he killed him with his own sword. He took the devil's sword, the, the giant's sword, and slew him cut and off cut head. off his head therewith, or with that sword. Well, hallelujah. Amen. I'm telling you, it's time for us, saints of God, to recognize we have let the devil throw too many things at us. When are we going to pick up some stones? When are we going to get the sword in our hand? When are we going to start doing some battle? I read this and I thought maybe some of you might enjoy it. Some of you might take offense, but if you take offense, you must be guilty. That's right. A preacher can get up and preach against smoking and I never get offended. He can preach against drinking, I don't get offended. I'm not guilty. So as soon as somebody gets offended over the preaching, just mark it down, they're guilty. Of course, the Bible does say, great peace have they which love thy law and nothing shall offend them. But that's another lesson for another day. I read this, this is called the devil's beatitudes. Now I spent some time many, many months ago teaching on the beatitudes in Matthew chapter five, but this is the devil's beatitudes. As though the devil is writing this, all right? It says, blessed are they who are too tired and too busy to go to church, for they are my best workers. Blessed are they who are bored with the minister's mannerisms and mistakes, for they get nothing out of the sermon. Blessed is the church member who expects to be invited to his own church, for he's part of the problem instead of the solution. Blessed are they who gossip, for they cause strife and divisions that please me. Blessed are they who are easily offended, for they soon get angry and quit. Blessed are they who do not give their offerings to carry on God's work, for they are my best helpers. Blessed is he who professes to love God, but hates his brother or sister, for he shall be with me forever. Blessed are the troublemakers, for they shall be called the children of the devil. Blessed is he who has no time to pray, for he will be easy prey. Well, why don't we get rid of some of the devil's tools? Why don't we take those tools out of his hand so that he cannot, listen, the devil can't defeat the church. The only way the church can be defeated is if we allow him to use us to do it. Well, we get offended, we get upset, we leave. And so the church has to try to compensate for our absence. I'm telling you, we become the devil's tools. 
Why don't we take those tools out of his hand? Devil, the Lord planted me here. I'm here to stay. I'm going to give it my very best. I'm going to apply myself during every service. I'm going to come and pray. I'm going to seek God. I'm going to fast even when I'm not asked to fast. Someone wrote some of the devil's most effective tools are number one, inactive saints. They're not involved in any form of God's work. Number two, absent saints. Number three, prayerless saints. And number four, dead saints who don't worship. We gotta take those saints back. We gotta remove the devil's tools. Now, remember that I've told you two of the three things that Jesus said we gotta do. But I also told you that he did not list them in order. I say that because Jesus himself gives us what should be the proper order. Let's read Matthew 12, 29 again. Or else, or else how can one enter into a strong man's house? And spoil All right, you his enter into his house and you spoil his goods. Except he first. Except he what? First. Everyone say first. First. Jesus tells us what the first thing is we got to do. If we're going to get into his house and we're going to spoil his goods, there's something we got to do first. Except he first bind the strong strong man. That's the first thing we've got to do. And if we bind the strong man, then will he spoil his house. Amen. There is a first step that must be taken. And I'm telling you, as long as we are bound, we can't bind him. But the Bible does tell us how we can go about binding him. Amen. Psalm 149, verses 5 through 9, there are two things that he says we got to have. Let's read. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon sing their beds. Sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises, Let of, God the high praises of God be in their mouth. And a two-edged, and a sword, two-edged in sword in their hand. Let the praises of God be in their mouth. And let a two-edged sword be in their hand. What's going to happen then? To execute vengeance they will execute the vengeance on the heathen. And, punishment and punishments upon the people. To bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute upon them the judgment written this honor have all his that means you that means you this honor have all his saints praise ye the Lord I'm here to preach to you from the greatest to the least I don't care where you put yourself if you're a child of God you've got the honor bestowed on you that you have the ability to bind the strong man hallelujah Amen. We bind him. We bind him by the sword and the spirit. The sword and the spirit. Amen. We know what the sword is, right? Amen. Amen. For the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Amen. The sword. There are two ways that we use the sword. Amen. First of all, Matthew chapter 4, verse 4. But he answered and said, it is written. Wait, wait, wait. He answered and said what? 
It is written. Everyone say it is written. All right, read. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. All right, verse 7. Jesus said unto him, it is written. Everyone say it is written. All right, read. Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. All right, verses 10 and 11. Then said Jesus unto him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written. Everyone say it is written. Amen. I'm going to tell you, before we go on to the next verse, let me tell you something. The first way we use the sword is a position of defense. When the devil comes against you, get the book out. Use the book on him. Amen. Throw the book at him. Did you hear me? Throw the book at him. That's what Jesus did. Every time the devil tempted him, Jesus didn't sit there and say, I don't know if I can stand this. I don't know if I'm going to give in. Jesus just said, it is written. I'm going to tell you what the scripture says, devil. And you got to listen to what the Bible has to say. So three times, Jesus threw the book at him. Three times, Jesus quoted scripture to win his battle against the devil. See that some of you are sitting there in your mind. You try to weigh it out. You try to think about it. You, you try to imagine, well, I know I shouldn't. I know I shouldn't. But yet I want to so bad. But I know, no, no, no. Just start quoting scripture. And if you don't know any scriptures to quote, get your Bible down and look for some to use. If nothing else, get these down in Matthew chapter four. Mark them in your Bible. And when the devil starts coming at you, you just quote those. <laughs> Let me show you what happens three times, three times. Jesus quotes the Bible to the devil. Now remember, this was when Jesus was at his weakest. You know, this last three-day fast we went on, I can't tell you how many people told me this was the hardest one I ever did. I don't know why, but, but I heard that from a lot of folks. It just seemed like it was harder than any three-day fast we've done. Anybody willing to testify to that fact? I'm going to tell you, it was for me. It was for me. But can you imagine 40 days with no food and no water? Say, oh, he was God. Well, he was God in flesh. Don't take the flesh away. His flesh still felt everything our flesh feels. And his flesh was just as weak after 40 days as ours would have been. And yet in that moment of weakness, Jesus didn't sit there and think, well, this would be nice. Well, I know I shouldn't, but it sure is tempting. Jesus just quoted scripture. And he quoted three scriptures, and look at what happens in verse 11. Then the devil leaveth then him. Then the devil leaveth him. I'm here to tell you this book works. It works. Come on, saint of God, it works. You're not going to defeat the devil by the power of positive thinking, but you can defeat him by saying it is written. And that's when you use the sword as a defense. But again, we can't spend our whole life on the defense. We got to learn to use the sword as an offense. How do we do that? Revelation chapter 12, verses 10 and 11. Listen to this. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, 
Now has come salvation. Now has come salvation. And strength, strength and the kingdom of our God. Kingdom of God. And the power of power His Christ. Of Christ. For the accuser, the of, accuser brethren of brethren is cast, cast down, down. Which accused them. He's cast God down. That's what I want to see. I want him cast down. Well, let's read. How did this happen? Verse 11. And they overcame they, him. This is how they cast him down. This is how they brought the devil down. They overcame him the blood of the by lamb. the blood of the lamb by the and by the, the word of their testimony. I'm going to tell you, you'll have a whole lot more victory if you get out there and tell the world what Jesus has done for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I've told this before. I went to Bible school with, with a man. He said he just made up in his mind. Every time the devil tried to do something to him, he'd just stand up and he'd say, all right, devil, that's five more souls I'm going to witness to today. And it wasn't just something he said. It was something he did. Well, Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you, some of you would come in here shouting the victory every night instead of having to have somebody pray you through to the victory if you'd get out there and use your testimony a little more. Get out there and tell them what God's done. You say, well, I was raised in church. God didn't do anything. Oh, don't you ever get that attitude. If God kept you from this world, that's a wonderful testimony. I'm going to tell you, you can look at them and say, hey, I came through my teenage years. I felt the same temptations you did, but God kept me through it all. Amen. Amen. The devil's cast down and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. I'm telling you, that's how we can use that sword. Here's what God did for me. I obeyed Acts 2.38. I obeyed John 3 and 5. And oh, the freedom that I found. Oh, the glory that I felt. Oh, the wonder of knowing that he's living on the inside of me. The word of your testimony can bring down the strongholds in this city. If you'll use that sword not just on the defense, but the offense. Well, hallelujah. So it's the sword and the spirit. That was the two things the psalmist told us, the sword and the spirit. Now, I want to show you something here that you may not have noticed before. Amen. When we, we get to talking about the whole armor of God, in fact, in our Sunday school classes, we teach kids to memorize the whole armor of God. They've got little toys you can buy at the Christian bookstore that depict the whole armor of God. But I'm here to tell you, we stop short. And I have yet to see a depiction that included everything God told us. Let's look at it. Ephesians chapter 6, verses 13 through 18. Wherefore, take unto you the whole take armor Take the whole of armor of God. That you may be able to withstand, so you the, can evil withstand the evil days. And ha having, having done, done all, all to stand. To stand stand, stand therefore, therefore, now listen. Having your loins, your loins girt, girt about with, truth, with truth. 
And having on the breastplate of, breast of righteousness, your feet shod with feet the preparation, shod with of, the the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench the, all the fiery darts of the wicked. Uh huh. And take the helmet of and salvation. And the helmet of salvation. And the sword. And the, of the sword spirit, of the spirit, which is the word, which of, is God. The word of God. And we stop there and say, "That's the whole armor of God." But you know, when the translators started translating these verses from the original, you'll notice they didn't put a period there. This sentence wasn't over. And yet I have yet to find anybody who included verse 18 as a part of God's armor. Now, no, it may not be the clothing that we wear, but it's the most powerful tool that we possess. Let's find out what verse 18 says. Praying always, Praying always with all with prayer, all prayer and supplication in the spirit. In the spirit. How have we missed that all these years? How have we got so stuck on the garments that we left out one of the most powerful weapons God ever gave us? You want to know how to bring the devil down? Start fighting him, praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. Praying in the spirit. That's not just now I lay me down to sleep. It's not just Lord bless the food. Jesus name, amen. Praying in the spirit. In the spirit. Paul said, I'll pray in the spirit and I'll pray with the understanding. Obviously praying in the spirit is when you get lost in the Holy Ghost and get to praying in tongues. There is a powerful tool that God has given to the church that starts fighting against hell when we get to praying in the spirit. Oh, hallelujah. And what else do we need to do in the spirit? Well, let's go back to Psalm 149 and verses five through nine. And I'm, I'm closing. Amen. 149 verses five to nine. Let's read it again. Let the saints be joyful saints and glorious. Let be joyful and glory. Let them sing aloud, them upon, sing their aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God let be in their the, mouth. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged two sword, sword in their hand. I'm gonna tell you, one of the greatest things we can do to bind the devil is simply worship God. I'm not talking about when somebody has to say, come on, saints, come on, saints, let's worship, come on, saints, let's lift our hands, come on, saints, let's clap, come on, somebody, help me out now. No, no, but when something starts rising up in your spirit and you come and you love God and nobody's got to beg you and nobody's got to reprimand you, but freely from the heart, worship begins to come. I'm telling you, you start binding the devil. When you start worshiping God, you're binding the devil. When you start worshiping God, you're putting the devil on the defense. You're going on the offense in your worship. I'm not just talking about praise. Anybody can praise. And everybody should praise. Let everything that hath breath I mean, whether we like it or not, and I don't mean to cross anybody's theology, but whether we like it or not, he didn't say, don't praise God if you got cigarettes on your breath or alcohol on your breath. He said, if you've got breath, 
praise God. But I'm going to tell you there's a difference between praise and worship. And I'm here to tell you that when we really start binding the devil is when it goes beyond the realm of praise and it's coming deep from within the heart and there's genuine worship going on. Listen to me. Amen. There, there's a difference between running the aisles in praise and running the aisles in worship. There's a difference between clapping in praise and clapping in worship. There's a difference between singing as praise and singing as worship. Hallelujah. But when it ever reaches that place, saint of God, where nobody's got to beg you, nobody's got to get on to you, but something's welling up within you and you begin to worship God. Listen, when that happens, every lap you make, you're wrapping another chain around the devil. Every time you raise your hands, you're putting another chain around the devil. Every time a teardrop...